BS Free Witchcraft is a production of the Nerd and Tie Podcast Network. Nerd and Tie produces podcasts ranging from actual play to true crime, and you can find more at nerdandtie.com or join our Discord by going to nerdandtie.com slash Discord. Welcome to BS Free Witchcraft, your monthly guide to the modern witchcraft movement, minus a lot of the usual, well, bullshit. I'm your host, Trey Dorn, and uh, it's September 2023, which means we've now been officially doing this podcast for five years. Five years. And somehow, in those five years, there's a topic we haven't covered that I think we really need to, and that is uh, nature and witchcraft. You know, it's it's this thing where people talk about like what defines witchcraft, and in a lot of people's definitions, we talk about nature-based practices and nature-based traditions. And that's what we're going to focus on this episode. Nature and witchcraft. But where does this idea of the connection between nature and witchcraft actually come from? Do we actually need to examine that? Do we need to take a look at the origins of this and what are the dangers of romanticizing nature that a lot of modern witches who haven't really sat foot in a natural environment what are those dangers because i don't know if you know this but underestimating the natural world is a great way to die (laughs) It's 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 a great way to not make it you know, in witchcraft spaces, there's a meme that likes to get passed around. And it's a Terry Pratchett quote um, from one of the Discworld novels. A witch ought never to be frightened in the darkest forest, Granny Weatherax had once told her, because she should be sure in her soul that the most terrifying thing in the forest was her. Except, here's the thing. There are bears, Skylar. There are bears. Don't get me wrong. I love Terry Pratchett. It's a great quote. The Discworld series is one of my favorites, but that quote from context of characters living in a fantasy world, you and I are dealing with much different stakes. (laughs) You know, the personification of death isn't going to spend an evening working as a mall Santa here, okay? I mean, not that I'm aware of, but... We're dealing with different stuff, and the truth is, is that uh, if you're going out into the woods at night and you don't know what you're doing, you shouldn't go out into the woods at night. And this romanticization, uh, romanticization of of wilderness and the wild and nature, ignores the fact that uh, some some of nature wants to kill you. <laughs> Just some of it does. It's incredibly easy to forget like the actual dangers. <laughs> Of, of of the woods. We have this like fantastic idea about like dancing naked in the woods at night. Well, until you fall down a ravine and twist your ankle and you're alone in the woods at night, don't do that. <laughs> like, heck, depending on where you are in the country, there are mountain lions, there are moose, there are snakes, there are many, many things that you don't want to mess with. Uh, coyotes under the right circumstances it's wolves will pretty much stay away from you but as previously stated bears bears skylar 
You're not more dangerous than a bear. Nature can sometimes be scary. Please remember that. My God. Now you may be asking yourself, where does the entire concept of how does witchcraft get connected to nature? How does this happen? How does this become the thing that we're doing? And it really goes back to the beginning of the, the modern witchcraft movement and Wicca. Wicca is very nature-based. That's the big cell line, right, on a large percentage of uh, neo-pagan religions, be it, you know, Wicca, Druidry. Uh, so many of these things, it was this whole, we're connecting to nature. But that connection between witchcraft and nature is not really historical, right? That's a very Margaret Murray thing. Like, when we talk about the origins of this, you have to remember that Wicca, neo-paganism, all of these things, like, had their big rise up alongside, like, the New Age movement and things like that. And as we've talked before, things that attract upper-middle-class people get upper-middle-class values. They get upper-middle-class ideas of things. While witchcraft itself, like, historical folk magic rose up like the actual historical folk magic that a lot of us claim our witchcraft is based off of rose up from like peasants the modern witchcraft movement came from like civil servants you know what i mean it came from you know we take a look at people like gerald gardner and doreen valiente these are not of the earth people <laughs> these are these are upper middle class british people and their interpretation of what nature is especially like you look at british traditional wicca it's we're talking about living on an island with no predators like they can go out in the woods and yeah no in in england you probably are the most dangerous thing in the woods the, most of us don't live in places like that i live in wisconsin is a pretty safe place to go out at night you know we only get like one or two mountain lions wandering through the state a year you know it's uh black bears are probably the biggest danger out there. And to be fair, I don't want to encounter a black bear on my own, but they're not as scary as grizzlies. You know, it's most of the time when I'm out in the woods, I'm just like dealing with fucking deer. Just fucking deer. I hate deer so much. My point is, is that the integration of nature stuff into witchcraft wasn't really done by people with a strong understanding of like the wild a lot of witchcraft's claims is that it's a revitalization revival of folk magic and we've to a degree that's true for some people and complete fiction for others but the fact is, is that the folk magic that we have comes down from people just trying to live their lives in the environment that they were and romanticizing the uh, the rural peasant lifestyle is something that is just silly modernism. <laughs> like, don't get me wrong, you can enjoy your cottage court and you can like have all the fun you want with that stuff. However, uh, people were just practicing folk magic in those environments because that was the environment they were in it's very much about the environment that you exist in and the idea of going back to nature is very much an upper middle class romantic ideal that came out of the early witchcraft movement 
it is not an important part of what makes historical folk magic. People in cities practiced folk magic, not just the people in the country. Folk magic came from the environment that people were in. The reason why folk magic appears to focus so heavy on natural cycles is because a lot of the stuff that survived came from agrarian folk magic, right? It came from people living in agricultural areas because there was less social conformity required. And because of that, that's why you see focuses on natural cycles, because for planting, for crops, and all of that. But just because the magic is focused on natural cycles of the earth doesn't mean that the environment it was being used in wasn't an artificial one, right? Agriculture is not natural. There is use of natural cycles in agriculture, but it is still an artifice created by people. Right now, I'm standing by a small lake. When we talk about witches connecting with their environment and with the world around them, why do we always talk just about places like this and not an environment like this, an urban area? Because statistically, most of you probably live in a city or at least the surrounding areas. And witchcraft is just about as much as connecting to the environment you're actually in. It's much more about that, at least for some of us, than it is about some idealized version of wilderness. A version of wilderness that, by the way, probably does not actually exist. And if you tell me there's no magical value to a place like this, if you tell me there's no magical value to any of this, um, I doubt your creativity. You know, you know what they say, do not test the city witch, for they have access to so many crossroads. And what's interesting is that a lot of these people talk about getting back to nature and will have this romantic idea of nature, but then talk about like homesteading and farming, when the truth is, Agriculture is just as invented by man as an area like this, as the brick and mortar of these buildings. It's just as much an artificial creation by people. Yet it's seen as more natural just because I guess plants are involved. There, there are plants here too. There, there's some plants. We got plants in cities. We got animals. It's probably not getting picked up by my microphone, but I keep hearing a crow out there. The idea that we're supposed to be focused on this romanticized nature and not the world we're actually in drives me nuts. This is just as much the world, if not more so, that our witchcraft should be connected into if you think it's important to connect to your world around you. Again, everything. Uh, everything is subjective. <laughs> but don't claim that you're trying to connect to the world around you when you're just trying to get to some idealized state and not the actual world around you. So this idea that you have to be in tune with nature and that it has to all be about nature, 
it only has to be if you want it to be. Like for me, it is, I'm a Wiccan. You know, our entire thing is structured around the cycle of the seasons in a temperate environment. And I've, I've talked about like how you should probably be customizing your practice to your local cycles, if that's the kind of thing you're into. But the, the fact is like, that's important to me, but it doesn't have to be important to your witchcraft. It just, it doesn't. And we're lying to ourselves when we say it does. Likewise, that's why for the City Witch, why not observe cycles like the road construction cycles, right? Like, it's related to weather, but why are we not, like, focusing on that? Like, it's the very fact that most of the United States, like, our entire culture in the United States still focuses on four seasons when a lot of the country doesn't even have four seasons in the traditional sense, right? A lot of the country doesn't even really exist in that world. But we place that construct on it. Likewise, in witchcraft, as we are results of the culture that we live within, we place these constructs on it too. I talked about this in like my my episode on rebuilding the wheel or whatever I called it, about the change cycles to match what you actually live with. If it's important to you to match those cycles, the cycles of your urban environment, if you live in an urban environment, are just as necessary in my mind, for you to feel connected to than those of the agrarian world that so much of witchcraft is focused on, so much of the current model of witchcraft is focused on. But make no mistake, when we are focused on an agrarian world, we are not any more natural than people in cities. It's not. And it's not nature in that case, is it? I make the argument that what we should be focused on, if you want to focus on your environment as a part of your witchcraft, because again, we're still operating on a framework that still comes from the Wiccan idea that we have to be in tune with the world around us to be witches. So that is, it's a whole other thing. If we want to be in tune with the cycles of the world around us, we have to take into account not just the natural cycles of the world, but the human cycles that exist. The the world that cycles through us, that, that, that we live within and exists around us. Because if we're ignoring that, if we're ignoring that, we are ignoring fundamental parts of the world around us. You know, there's this, this great... Bi like, I see people, like, talk about, oh, I pity the city witch. And... I just don't understand that entire thought because, first off, most witches statistically are city witches. Secondly, a lot of people saying that don't actually... I pity the suburban witch, all right? That's who I pity. You live in the country, you live in the wilderness, great. You have the natural world, you've got that stuff going. You live in the city, you have all these natural cycles. First off, there's a lot of animals that live in the city. <laughs> there's a lot of nature. The rain still falls from the sky in the city. There's life in the city. There's human energy in the city. There's human life. The, the place I cannot stand and the people I feel bad for are the suburban witches. And I don't mean like the inner suburbs where like you cross the street, you're in the city. I mean like development, outer suburbs, cul-de-sac. Where even are you? 
You're in a non-world. It's silent when you step outside because you've chased out all the nature. The bugs aren't even chirping. Maybe you get cicadas. But you live in a lonely, empty world, and that's where it's hard to find the cycle to sink into. That's where the world becomes difficult. What is nature when we say nature? Is it the woods? Or is it just the world around us? Should we be saying we are... Should witchcraft be considered a nature-based practice, or should it be an environmentally connected practice? I think the latter has more value than the former. But again, you don't ever have to listen to me. <laughs> I talked about this last episode. There is like, this is one of those situations where you can say there's no wrong way to witch because this is entirely subjective. This is entirely subjective in this particular case because all that makes a witch is someone practicing some sort of magical system who calls themselves a witch. That's it. That's the list. So, I don't know. I spent a lot of time thinking about this stuff. I, I take nightly walks at night, and part of it goes through the woods and this park. And for me, it's important to look up and see the moon, to feel the cool night breeze on the back of my neck and hear the wind in my ears and the rustle of, of the wind through leaves, especially this time of year. It's fall here. The leaves are starting to change and it's just gorgeous. Feeling connected to that cycle is very important to me personally. Feeling connected to that is, is vital to me, but I'm not everyone. And the cycles around me, are not going to be necessarily the cycles around you. And you should feel connected to the world around you. Like, I've heard people, and I know I'm rambling at this point, but I don't care. Uh, <laughs> the I've heard people talk about, like, um, how cities feel so artificial and how cities feel like they lack life or something like the, the, that's man-made. But I'm like, people made that stuff. Every brick and every building was placed there, you know, whether it be by a person directly or through a machine that was controlled by a person. People built that. That was made with the labor of human beings. And we put our energy into everything we do, whether we like it or not. Like, the very apartment building I'm sitting in was built by people. And people built these walls. Someone placed that window there. The floor that's underneath me. All of these things were done by a person. And people put in their own self into what they make. So, if anything, a city teems with more energy than anywhere else. 
because of the density. Think of all the people in proximity, in worlds that were built by their fellow person, the construction of it. How is that not nature to begin with? How is the, the home built by a person less nature than the anthill built by ants? Why? Because you're viewing yourself as separate from it? Well, that doesn't feel like you're integrating yourself into the natural cycles at all. Humans are a part of nature, and the worlds we build are a part of that nature. So, guess what? You're in it. <laughs> Deal with it. Whether you're in the city or the country or the woods... Or the godforsaken suburbs. I'm so sorry. You're in a world that was built by someone. And everything has something put into it. I think that's where I'll leave this episode. It's thank you guys so much for joining me for another month. Five years of this show. Five years. I hope you don't mind. Uh, audio listeners, I know I went on location a few times in this episode. I hope you don't mind the audio quality dip. I Go ahead. And, yeah, there's, there's a YouTube version. There's a YouTube channel for this show in which the video versions go up. I know hardly anybody watches them compared to the audio version, but I, I do want to say that they're out there. And uh, you might consider watching this one. I don't know. I don't know. It's pretty. I stand out from Rutter Lake. There's some geese behind me when it happens. Just for you, Lazi. I made sure there were geese in the shot, and I had to do so many different takes because they kept making noise. <laughs> Anyways, uh, I just want to remind you that this show is brought to you by support from lovely listeners like you via Patreon. Um, if you want to become a Patreon supporter, you get episodes like this a whole week early, along with a couple of exclusive behind-the-scenes videos. Um, I'm a little behind on making them, but there, there are some already there that you get access to. When you become a patron for just a dollar a month, you get access to all that at patreon.com slash T-R-A-E-G-O-R-N. And of course, I want to give a shout out to people at my shout out level of uh, Stephanie Graves, Lindsay Dosey, Bruce Norville, Courtney, Amber Schmidt, Claire Dennis, and Kayla Burkowski. Um, if you can't support the show, I understand you can follow the show on so much social media. Um, only some of it's actually active. I am primarily on Tumblr, uh, T-R-A-E-G-O-R-N.tumblr.com. Um, I have an X, a Twitter, a shitter, whatever we're calling it now, still. Uh, for how much longer? I don't know. Musk is talking about charging for the whole platform, and I'm not going to pay for Twitter. Uh, that's T-R-A-E-G-O-R-N. Um, I have a Mastodon, um, T-R-A-E-G-O-R-N at Mastodon.social. And um, I have a Threads at T-R-A-E-G-O-R-N. I don't know what the heck's going on with Threads. I set it up. I do nothing maybe don't bother following i i don't know and i have a facebook there is a facebook page for the show uh, facebook.com slash bs free witchcraft that is active i check that and you can message me there also do not try to find my personal page on facebook i have said this repeatedly and every time i say this within a month somebody reaches out through it talking to me about the show so do not try to friend me on facebook <laughs> I will ignore you. But if you do want to talk to me directly, there's a great space where you can do that. 
and that is, of course, on Discord. At the Nerd and Tie Podcast Discord, where you can talk to me, you can talk to all the other show hosts, like, you know, Brina Garen of Hex Positive. And you can find an invite at that at nerdandtie.com slash Discord, because we are, again, a part of the Nerd and Tie Podcast Network, where you can find this show, shows like Hex Positive, Cool and Unusual Punishment has just started a new series called The Chosen. Um, and it, it it's cool. You should listen to it. It's it's good. That's ongoing right now. Um, all that stuff you can find at nerdandtie.com. Whole podcast network full of shows, which are all super fun, super cool. And uh, with that, Majikins, I'm gonna I'm gonna end the show this month. But I just you know, bricking our fingernail, bricking our fingernail. Jesus, I'm going to play this thing. Don't it. Dirt in our fingernails, brick in our hands is my saying. That's the thing I say to you at the end of shows these days. Somehow I even screwed that up. I don't know, Majikins. I should stop. <laughs> we'll talk to you next month. <laughs>